0: So we are in our Pathway series. This is a series where we are taking some time to explore the mission of the church, the vision of the church, and some of the core values that we believe that are important for this church. And without looking at that wall, does anyone remember what the mission of the church is? What, What are we all about? Anyone? Okay. It's okay. We still have 10 more weeks to figure this thing out, right? So let's all look at it there together. Uh, it's on the, that green banner. Can we say it all together? Ready, go. So really, we're all about Christ. And through Him, we are discipled and we make disciples and we also glorify God through Him. We're all about knowing God and enjoying God. And we also have a vision, hopefully, when we continue to um, pursue this mission, ultimately, that we would be a church that rescues, that uh, reclaims, that revives the broken and lost world for the sake of God's kingdom, one person, one family, and one church at a time. That is kind of our, our grand vision. That, that's what we hope to do. And now, starting from today, we are going to look at some of our core values, and those core values are on the walls right there, and our number one, the first one is right on that uh, purple, sh- purple banner, and can we all read it together? Ready, go. So that's what, that's what it, we are all about. Everything that we believe in, everything that we proclaim is really based On the Word of God. In order to explore this core value, we are actually gonna look at a very familiar text. Probably you guys memorized this text uh, if you grew up in the church. It comes from 2 Timothy chapter 3. And before I dive into the text, I wanna explain something about 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy is a letter that Paul wrote near the end of his life. At this time, he is in Rome as a prisoner. It's not the first time he was uh, imprisoned in, in Rome, but it's the second time. So this is not the same incident with Acts, Acts 28. But it's when he's recaptured, and so he's sitting in the Roman prison, and there he's awaiting his death. Now, this great missionary who planted church after church, who rescued people after people, this great writer who wrote nearly half of the New Testament, this great apostle who was the leader of a church, is now sitting in a prison cell awaiting his death, And when he's awaiting his death, he decides to write a letter to Timothy, his beloved spiritual son, his disciple, who is faithfully serving the Lord in Ephesus. And in the climax of this letter, this is what Paul sa- says to Timothy. He says in verse 1 of chapter 3, if you have your Bibles, it would be great if you can just stay in chapter 3. But he says this in verse 1, But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. So what Paul says to Timothy is life is going to get difficult. This world is going to be a difficult place to live. And he goes on to say this in verse 2, For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, Unpleasable, slanderous, without self control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. This is kind of what it looks like in the last days, and Paul is giving Timothy a warning that this is happening. And when Paul is saying the last days, he's not talking about the last, last days right before Christ returns. He t- he's talking about this time period uh, from the beginning of Acts 2 when the church is established until Christ returns to c- reclaim his bride. That is considered the last days, meaning we are also living in the last days. You know, many ple- people believe that this world will automatically become a better place. If we just live our life, this world will become a better place. What God says is, Things are only going to get worse from here. He says that people are going to get wicked. This world is going to be even more broken than before, which means it is going to be more difficult to live faithfully as Christians. He says in verse 12, Paul says this, Indeed, all who desires to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil people and impostors, will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. So for those who live for Christ, persecution is not just an option. It's not just a possibility. It is a reality that will come with your faith. The Christian life is not meant to be easy. I don't, I don't know if you knew that. But the Christian life is not meant to be easy. The more and more you try to live a godly life, you face opposition. The world is going to make fun of you. You will experience injustice because of your faith. You will be persecuted because of what you believe in. Life is going to be difficult. So if the days ahead of us are this difficult, if those who desire to live a godly life will face persecution, if things are going to get tough from bad to worse, what in the world are we supposed to do? As Christians, That is the question that Paul is answering, uh, uh, answering today. So what in the world are we supposed to do as Christians in these difficult days? Paul says one thing to Timothy, and this is kind of the main idea of today's passage. Remain faithful in God's word. Remain faithful in God's word. Life is going to get tough, but Timothy, remain faithful in God's word. Out of all the things that Paul could say, He doesn't say just avoid conflict and live in a cave in isolation. He doesn't say okay, just you know, use your wisdom and make sure you kind of compromise along the way because you know you don't want to be neglected by the people of the world. He doesn't say be savvy and pick your fights. He doesn't say just simply try hard. He says remain faithful in the word of God. Looking back at his spiritual journey, looking back at the journey that he, the life that he lived going from nation to nation, meeting people to people, carrying out the, the work of the ministry, Paul concludes his work with this one statement, I remain faithful in the word of God. And Timothy, so shall you. So why the word of God? Why does the Bible matter? Why do we make such a big deal about the Bible that it's our number one core value? Why? Well, there's a couple of reasons why the Bible is important, especially when we're trying to remain faithful, we ought to remain faithful in the Word of God because the Word of God is trustworthy and is truthful. That's my first point. We ought to remain faithful in God's Word because it is truthful and trustworthy. Look at verse 16. It says, All scripture is breathed out by God. You no, know, that phrase, breathed out by God, is actually a single word in the Greek. It literally—it's a compound word word that literally means God breathe. It's the word God plus the word breathe. It's talking about this process where God—he uses his very own breath to speak out his words, his thoughts on to paper. You know, when you speak, I know uh, some uh, people—we have some people who majored in speech here—but when you speak, uh, you don't just speak randomly. Right, you, Air comes out of your lungs. It hits your vocal cords. And with the help of a couple other organs, you produce speech. So when someone breathes out, it's, it's a process of speech. That's what it's saying here. That when it says all scripture is God breathe, Paul is not saying that this Bible doesn't just contain information about God. It's not just stories about God. But it is actually the word of God. This is the word of God. And it's interesting because this word only appears in the entire Bible. It's, this place is the only place that it appears in the entire Bible. The only thing that comes out of the breath of God is what we have in front of us, the Bible. Every single word from start to end is the word of God. All scripture is God breathed, not just parts of it. And if this is true, if all scripture is the very own word of God that means this must be truthful and it must be trustworthy because God we think that God is the ultimate author although you know if you study the Bible you know that 40 different human writers were involved in this process over a span of 1500 years and you might say well well Pastor James I, I, I know that you know this is the word of God but you know human we, we make errors right we we stumble. What if someone was when they were you know hearing from, from hearing from God? When what if they were kind of sleepy and they misread a couple of words, right? And miswrote a couple of words. You know what if there is some error here? Well, the Bible says that every single word is breathed out of the Word of God. Proverbs thirty um, verse five says this: Every word of God proves true. John seventeen seventeen says. Jesus says, sanctify them, my disciples, in truth. Your word is truth. So Jesus himself says that your word is truth. Psalm 12, 6 says that the word of the Lord are pure, like silver refined in a furnace on the ground, purified seven times. The word of the Lord is pure. And I just want to give you a quick demonstration. And um, so here I have a blank sheet. And I'm going to ask Rebecca, can you sign this for me? Yeah, just sign it. Okay. Oh, that's that's a very creative sign. Okay, whose writing is this? Are you sure? Who wrote this? I think the pen wrote it. Right? right. Is it, didn't didn't the pen just spit out his own ink and, and sacrifices himself to write make marks on this on this paper? Rebecca didn't she, she didn't use her blood to to write this right? If I make this argument, you would think that I'm crazy. Why? Why do we say that, although the pen was involved in the process, why do we say that this is Rebecca's writing? Because Rebecca is not on the same level as that pen, right? <laughs> Rebecca, although she is using, and the, uh, using a black pen, she is in total control of what is written on the sheet. In the same way, yes. Human writers are involved. It's true. God used human writers. He inspired human writers. But at the same time, you have to understand that God is not on the same level as human writers. He is in total control. It says in the Bible, in Second Peter, that the, even the process of, of the Bible being transferred, that is guided by the Holy Spirit. You know, in our hands, we don't just have information about God. This is the very word of God. And that is why it is trustworthy. And it is truthful. All of it is God Breathe. The Bible is the very own word of God. So what does this mean? Now, how many of you read the Old Testament before? And when you're reading it, you, you think, man, right, it must have been really easy to live in the Old Testament, especially the Israelites, right? Like Moses, Abraham, it seems like they can talk to God. They have direct access to God. They hear from God audibly. No, and you, when you read that, you, you question, God, why don't you do that today? Why can't I hear the voice of God today? How many of you struggled with that before? No? None of you? <laughs> why doesn't God audibly speak in our lives? You know, and a couple of my youth students, they often come to me and say, you know, I don't think God exists. And I ask, why? Well, God never speaks to me. <laughs> and I, I ask them, is their Bible open? <laughs> and they say, no. Well, I tell them, if your Bible is not open, don't tell me that God doesn't speak because God speaks through his word. People in the Old Testament, they heard the voice of God, yes. They heard it probably a couple times. Every, every now and then, they hear the voice of God. We have access to the word of God every single moment of our life. On the fingertips of our hand, we can hear the voice of God. Don't tell me that God doesn't speak when your Bible is closed. We ought to remain faithful in God's word because it is truthful. It's trustworthy because God is the ultimate author of the Bible. And number two, we ought to remain faithful in God's word because it is authoritative. If God is the final author of the Bible, that means these words are not just words of counseling. It's not just words of encouragement. No, it's not like a self-help book where you can can pick and choose what you want to believe and take away and apply it to your life. No, this word is authoritative. It has authority over you. When we read this book, we can't just pick and choose what we want to believe because it's not just some advice that God gives. It is the very word of God. And he tells us, live by this. We don't have the luxury of picking and choosing. We need to adjust completely to the word of God. If you go back to Genesis chapter 3, something crazy happens. Adam and Eve, they're deceived by the snake, but it's quite interesting what Adam and Eve does. Now God gives them a command, don't eat from this tree. And that was a clear command. What Adam and Eve does is they judge the word of God. Instead of creating judgment based on the word of God, instead of allowing the word of God to be the source of their judgment, They make the word of God the object of their judgment. And because of that, they make decisions that are not godly, but that are self-centered. And a lot of times we do this. When we try to pick and choose what we want to believe, when we judge the word of God and say, man, is this really true? Can I really trust this? No, is, is this really, does this really work? When we try to judge whether or not this is truthful and trustworthy, we are falling into a very dangerous trap because we think we can judge the word of God instead of allowing the word of God to shape our judgment. The word of God is authoritative. It's not just informative, it is authoritative, meaning we need to respect it and we need to obey it. It demands obedience. No, we can't just love the fact that God blesses us and hate the fact that we have to commit to God. We can't just love the fact that God sent his one and only son and neglect the fact that he wants us to follow his footsteps and take up our own cross. We can't just say that okay, we want that uh, we love the fact that God loves us, but we don't want to love our enemies. We can't pick and choose what we want to believe, brothers and sisters. God is saying clearly to us what he expects from us. So We need to obey with our full trust. So we ought to remain faithful in God's word because it is trustworthy and it is truthful. We have to remain faithful in God's word because it is authoritative. And we need to remain faithful in God's word because it is sufficient. Look at verse 14. It says this in verse 14. Paul says, As for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed. Knowing from whom you learned it. So there's a sense that Paul is telling Timothy, hold on to this, whatever it is. And he explains what that is. In verse 15, he says, And how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. So the word of God is sufficient. It is sufficient for salvation, it equips you, it gives you knowledge that leads you to salvation. Sometimes, you know, people say, you know, um, I don't know if I'm saved. A lot of our youth students say this. I don't know if I'm saved because I, didn't, I never had that moment, that moment where, where I had this emotional breakdown, where this moment that I felt something about the Spirit. Uh, no, I, I don't know if I, I'm saved. I, I, don't, I never had this, that, com, that conversion experience like Paul. And what Paul is saying is you don't really need that. All you really need is the word of God and faith in Christ Jesus. You know, Timothy, it says that from a very young age, he was equipped with the word of God. He was constantly taught of the word of God by his grandmother and mother. From a very young age, he grew in knowledge of salvation. So you see, we don't need anything extra. The word of God is sufficient to lead us to salvation. We don't need a dramatic experience or emotional experience. Everyone has their own kind of different experience. But one thing I can tell you is that your conversion experience, your dedication to Christ better be based on the word of God because faith comes through hearing and hearing comes through the word of Christ. There's a common notion that people say, okay, preach the word of God. And only use words when necessary. Do you guys agree with that? It's a very, very, very dangerous saying, actually. No, it does highlight the fact that we should you know, walk the walk when we talk the talk. But it's a very dangerous saying because if you don't preach the word, if the word of God is not communicated to you, there's no way that you can submit to the lordship of Jesus Christ. You're. Sharing of faith always has to involve the preaching of God's word. Mere knowledge, by the way, doesn't lead you to salvation. The Bible itself doesn't lead you to salvation. You can read the Bible over and over again, but that doesn't make you a saved person. Notice that in, the, in verse 15, it says that it, is for, uh, it makes you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. So when we are equipped with knowledge that comes from the Bible and we respond in faith, that is when we get to experience salvation. Salvation, on, from, God's end of the, the, the side, from God's side, it looks like this. God is pouring out His mercy and grace. It's unconditional. From our side, what it looks like is we are responding simply to the Word of God in faith. Salvation is always a response to the Word of God, which means if you are struggling to believe Jesus, if you're having a hard time coming to know the Lord, it means that you have to dig deeper into the Word of God and spend time in His Word. See what it really says. Take time and analyze it. Read it carefully. And you will be given this knowledge that leads to salvation. Second, not only does the Word of God, uh, is it sufficient for salvation, it's sufficient for transformation. It changes people. Not only does God save people, he changes people. In verse 16, 16 it says this, All Scripture is God breathed is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. So the word of God transforms the mind. You know, it tells us what to believe in and what not to believe in. That, that's what it means by saying it's good for teaching and reproof. It also changes our behavior, what we should do. It corrects our behavior. And it, tra- it trains us to righteousness. Verse 17 says this. The word of God transforms us to the point that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Everything that we need to know for salvation, everything that we need to know for sanctification, everything that we need to know to embrace God's calling is in the word of God. The word of God makes you complete, equips you for every good work. That word equip is the idea where an athlete is conditioned to the point that he can go, go and perform to his highest potential. The Word of God allows you to be in the right condition to pursue the calling of God. So we should remain in the Word of God in difficult times. The Word of God is truthful, it's trustworthy, it's authoritative, the Word of God is sufficient. It can save you, and it can change you. As believers, we must value the Bible because it is the very voice of God. So what does this mean? Well, the fact that the word of God is perfect, it's flawless, that it's pure, that it's powerful, it means that a lot of times the Bible is not the problem. We are, right? When we say that, man, the Bible is difficult to understand, it's not that the Bible is written in a language that we can't understand, it's just that we have to be equipped with the knowledge. We need teachers, we need helpers, we need pastors to explain the Word of God in the beginning, and also the Holy Spirit illuminates us so that we can understand the Word of God. When you say the Word of God is not useful, it's not practical, you know, you're really You're really saying that there's nothing for me. You're trying to figure out something for yourself rather than adjusting to the word of God. You see, the Bible is not the problem if it is the very own word of God, if it is trustworthy and truthful. It is us, which means that we need to read the Bible, meditate on it, study it in the right manner, with the right attitude, We can't mistreat and misunderstand the Word of God. We have to value it and treasure it as if our life depends on it because it actually does depend on it. Everything that we know about God, everything that we believe about the church of God, everything that we know about the Christian life comes from the Word of God. That is why we need to treasure. That is why we value the truthfulness, the trustworthiness, and the authority of the Bible. If the word of God is true, it changes everything. So spend time in his word. Let's pray. just want to give you a couple minutes to respond to the message maybe you knew this maybe you are aware that the bible is the word of god maybe you're so it's so it's so conditioned in your head that that you never even thought about whether it's truthful or not see if the bible is true it, if it is trustworthy it must make a difference in our life the way that we read it, the way that that we meditate on it, the way that we apply it is completely different if we have the right perspective on it. So what is your perspective on the Bible? Are you treating it as if it is the very own word of God or are you treating it as just another book? I know a lot of you guys probably made some New Year resolutions where you want to spend time in the word and maybe you already kind of fall back on your reading plan. Uh, maybe some of you are—you you already skipped a couple of days with your quiet times or devotions. You know, I want to encourage you: don't give up. Remain faithful, because this world is go- only going to get more difficult. It's not going to be easy to live as a Christian. And the only, the one constant thing in your life is going to be His word and His promises. It is sufficient. So as a body, as a church, let's spend time in His Word. Let's treasure His Word. Let's treat it with proper respect. Let's obey it, knowing that it is the final authority. Let's pray together.